Before I jump into my message, I, uh, I just look out into the crowd and I realize there's all these young people. And who knows if I'll, I probably will never be able to address you again. And I realize that you're going to go out into this life and, and, you know, when you're older, you realize that life is hard. You know, sometimes you're naive and young when you're young and you have no idea what, what's ahead there. And I, I'm so thankful for being in my 40s. I, I'm still in my 40s. I'm 49. He said, ooh. <laughs> you know what the best thing about 49 is? I'm not 50, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I've lived a long enough part of life to where, I, one, I remember being you. And, uh, but I've lived enough of life where I'm now eating from the fruit of my hands. The, the harvest has come in. My kids have come through my home. And, and even as I address you, I, I can't help but address you as if they were in the crowd. You just love your kids, you know? And, and I've, I've, I've tasted of life. And, and I, I can honestly say it is so sweet. And I can honestly say that, oh, my young people... Spend your life, please, following the king. He'll protect you from so much trash this world has to offer. Please remember from me, the world has nothing to offer you. Please keep yourself right in God's way. Don't let the greatest prayer of your life be to stay right in God's way. The other thing that would be on my heart to say is I, I can't help but still see this young crazy kid, which I like you, come on, with, in chains and, and just saying, guys, carry out your responsibility. In my high school years, again, by the grace of God, I, I, I wanted to make a difference in high school. And so I wanted all of my friends to know about Christ, all of my friends to follow Christ, and I would rally my whole youth group to read their Bibles. I'd rally my school. I was the chaplain of my school in high school, and come on, let's love Christ, let's love Christ. <clears throat> all of my friends followed Christ and have been blessed. Many of those that didn't follow Christ in high school today are divorced, their lives are a mess. There is such a sweetness, but you guys share Christ with your neighbor. Share Christ with your friends. Love them so much that you go long and far and wide to help them know Christ. Because there is a, hello, there is a, and his way is the best. I want to take you to one of my favorite passages, and my favorite passage to preach, uh, partly because uh, 
the truths are, are ones that I would like to leave upon your hearts as young people. I, I, I want to treat you as my own kids in this last message and, and give you a message that I, I'm hoping will, will just re- resonate in your mind continuously, that it would be an ongoing reminder in your head as you go through life's journey, that you'll remember it, that you'll see this 49-year-old man pleading with you. And that it would be a safeguard for your soul all the days of your life. And so I'm going to be fatherly to you. I don't know where you're from. I have no idea what drives your life. I have no idea. I just know that some of you are really cool. Thanks for that. Gave me a hug and and encourage me. Those that didn't come up to me, you're a loser. No, I mean, uh, we care for you too. No, just kidding. Uh, those that I didn't get to connect with, please, even before you leave, just give me a hug and as I encourage you in this life's journey and, and youth pastors, go after these kids. Go after them. Be relentless to make sure they stay in God's word and they learn that in their short days in your youth group. Shepherd them, love them, extend your time and your efforts, be part of the dragging ministry. You know what the dragging ministry is? When they don't come, you what? You drag them because you love them so much. Let them climb over you to get to hell, right? I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I'm sorry, not Matthew. I'm usually in Matthew on Sunday mornings. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We're going to pick up a story right here that you're very familiar with, and I I want to drive home this story to you. I'm going to read it so that you can hear it without any explanation, and then I want to drive it into your hearts. Matthew, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 37, let's read God's word, authoritative word, the words of the king together. (coughs) Sorry. Verse 38, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with so much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to stop. Tell tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and troubled about so many things, but one thing is necessary. 
Martha has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. When I was a kid in Sunday school, I had a Sunday school teacher who came and asked the question, why don't you spend time in God's word? And the basic answer that all of us kids provided her was, it's because we don't get around to it. The teacher went into her bag, and she pulled out this round plastic coin, and on it said, to it. And then she began to hand it out to all of us kids as she smiled and said, now you have a round to it. (laughs) Thank you for that one laugh. True story, though. So there's no excuses for why you don't spend time in God's Word. It's interesting now, so many years later, that I can remember that Sunday school teacher. But she asked on that day a very fundamental question, a question that I want to pose to you. Why don't we spend time in God's Word? Why don't we dedicate ourselves more to being in his word, sitting at his feet and hearing his word? Is the problem that we don't get around to it? Or is the reason much deeper? Well, I believe the passage before us reveals to us that the issue is much more serious. The passage before us is going to reveal two reasons why we don't follow Jesus and why we as followers of Jesus do not spend more time sitting at his feet and listening to his words. It's going to provide how many reasons? Two. Two. One reason will be from this story, and a second reason will be from the context of this story. Are we together? I want to spend the majority of our time looking at that first reason, and then we'll come to the second reason as we conclude the message. When we look at this story, there are four parts of the story I want to show you. And we're going to, in this story, see this first reason why we don't spend time with God. Start with me with the background. The background. It says in verse 38, Now as they went on their way, everybody come with me, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And and she had a sister called who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. The story starts off with Jesus traveling with his disciples. What's interesting, when you look at the story and and it's built up into this passage, there's no clear indication why this story is here. The story is plopped into 
the account. I believe there's a reason. I'll explain that reason in the end. But all we see is Jesus traveling along. Where are his disciples? It's not clear. They're never seen in the story. We know that Jesus would preach from city to city with no clear place or clear knowledge of where he was going to sleep or eat. As with any disciple, he was relying on God's provisions. He said himself that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So the passage tells us that Jesus enters a village. We know from other accounts that this was Bethany, about two miles from Jerusalem. And in this story, Martha comes to Jesus, and she welcomes him into her, into her. Now, this was a common practice in this day, especially among believers. And this shows us how sweet and loving Martha was. So quick to entertain people. We know that this is not the first time she's doing this, but this was a common practice. This is an incredible saint, an incredible woman. All we know from the story is that Martha comes to Jesus, says, come into my home. Now, if we're going to understand this, this is a massive deal. This is big time. This is crazy. If you see this story with heavenly eyes, you recognize that Martha just invited the creator of the universe into her, into her home. The eternal pre-existing God, the Holy One, whom is on that universal throne and being worshipped night and day, the all-wise, all-knowing, Alpha and Omega, just was invited into the home of Martha. This Savior, this Messiah, who is running around all of Jerusalem, he is the big man. He's the one that everybody's talking about. Everywhere he goes, he's raising people from the dead. He's healing them from their diseases. Limbs are coming out of stumps called arms. Lame are walking. Demons are running. He's claiming to be Israel's Messiah. And he's proving it by everything he does. I mean, this religious leader... This Messiah is shutting the mouths of the religious leaders around him, astonishing everyone everywhere he goes. And it is this Messiah that is entering into Martha's home by invitation. Big time? Big time? Someone say yes. Yes. Big time. 
So in the middle of that story, we see this background. Well, I want to show you the second part, and that is this, the priority of Mary. The priority in the midst of this massive event, in the midst of this big, major scenario, look and take notice of the priority of Mary. According to the narrator, the narrator informs us that Martha has this sister called Mary. And according to verse 39, in the midst of the craziness, she is sitting at the Lord's feet. And she's listening to his teachings. Now, if you understand this and you understand the day in which we're talking about, you would understand that this is not a normal situation. This is not a normal posture for women. She is going against normal cultural norms. During this time in history, the Jewish rabbis would not allow women to learn. And if they wanted to learn, they were to go home and ask their husbands. And so Mary is abandoning cultural practice, and she's sitting right down at the feet of Jesus. You can see it. Jesus is sitting, which was taking the place, posture of a, a, a teacher. And he's teaching, and she's sitting right at the feet. Let me tell you something about this moment. In this moment, Mary, regardless of the circumstances, is so eager to learn, so hungry to learn. She's zealous to learn, focused to learn, bold to learn. She wanted to be so close to Jesus that, that she wanted to be so close that it, it was impossible to separate her, impossible to not learn. And, and notice what she wanted to learn. She wanted to learn the words of Jesus. She wanted to hear the word of God from the Son of God. She was not interested in philosophy. She was not interested in religion. Certainly wasn't interested in dumb politics. Waste of time, by the way. Someone say amen. Come on. Gee, you guys are zombie-like this afternoon. No, she wanted to hear the word of God through the Son of God. She knew who was standing in her home. And she was in no way going to be distracted. She knew that she had before him her God in human flesh, and she wanted to hear his words. Somewhere, somehow, I'm sure she knew that they were sharper than any two-edged sword, that they were a lamp under her feet, that they were light under her path, that they were perfect to restore the soul, that they were sure making wise of the simple. They were rejoicing the heart and they were lightening the eyes. She knew that Jesus' words were sweeter than honey. And more valuable than gold itself. 
And so there was nothing, nothing at all going to stop her from sitting at the feet of Jesus. No preparations, no angry sister, and certainly no cultural faux pas. What was Mary's priority? It was to sit at the feet of and listen to his. Let's come to the third part. The priority of Martha. Here this story tells us in verse 40, Martha's priority. Look with me at verse 40. It says, but Martha was what? Everybody, look at verse 40. Come with me. Don't get tired on me. It says that Martha was what? Was distracted with so much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. According to this verse, Martha was distracted. Literally, it's a, it's a passive in Greek. Literally, she is being pulled away. She wants to be there. She wants to be listening to his word, but something is, is pulling her away. It's dragging her away. It reminds me of high school. You ever get, see people get in a fight? And the, the people come and they drag them away. They're like, you know, like they, they want to be fighting and hitting each other. And someone's dragging. I, that was my experience. Not that I was in a fight. I was too afraid to get in a fight. But the, the, something's dragging her. Something's pulling her away from being at the feet of Jesus. He said, well, well, what's pulling away? Well, all her preparations. In her mind, she hears from the kitchen. She's hearing, who needs a drink? Are the greens being served? Has the chicken been prepared perfectly? Did we butter the bread? Where are all the guests going to? To sit. Some moms in here go, I can relate with. We got a mom laughing right here. All of these concerns are, are dragging her away. They're pulling her away from really where she even wants to be. In verse 41, Jesus reveals that these concerns are not only pulling her away, but they also cause her to sin. She gets worried and disturbed. Or can we just say, angry? In her mind, ever, she's overwhelmed with all the details that need to be done with the limited time that can get it done. Her emotions are going at full speed, crying out with fear that everything's not going to be perfect. That somehow, she will make a bad impression on her renowned guest. And the end result is she's disturbed, angry, and disappointed. With who? 
her sister because she's refusing to help. And Jesus, because he's permitting Mary to not help. Anyone can relate with this story? If you're a lady, guys are like hanging out on the, watching the football game while this is going on. Guys are wimps, huh? <laughs> that was a joke. You guys aren't even laughing at my jokes this afternoon. <laughs> what did they put in that turkey or pork or whatever it was? When you look at this situation, you ask yourself, so what was Martha's priority? Can I tell you what Martha's priority was? Are you ready? You are an angel. The rest of you are... Martha's priority was, listen, loving Jesus through making him a wonderful meal or by providing a very comfortable stay. Is that a good priority? Everyone, is that a good priority? I'm sorry, just one more time because I love hearing you speak. Was that a good priority? Oh, that was beautiful. That was a great priority. She wants to make a good meal for Jesus Christ. It was a loving priority. It is so kind that she wants Jesus to eat well. It's an important priority. Someone needs to feed Jesus. Which brings me to the fourth part. The priority of Jesus, the priority of Jesus. Look yet again at the scenario Jesus is put in. Verse 40 explains that Martha is, so, is distracted with serving and she went up to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care? First of all, how is Jesus really supposed to answer that question? You know what I mean? Like, don't you care? You're like, ah, you got good. I mean, if you're Jesus, what do you do? Do you answer the question? No, you just say, this lady's crazy. Chill out. You know, but that's how I, all right, maybe I shouldn't reveal that. I mean, you don't say anything. Because really, you're set between, <clears throat> you're sitting there, hanging out here. You have Mary here, and you've got Martha here. Man, that is not a good place to be. <laughs> and Martha's ticked off. What do you do in that scenario? <clears throat> well, listen. Martha is completely angry at this time. Her emotions are going at full speed and she's accusing Jesus that he doesn't even care. <clears throat> and by the way, there's a great reminder here for all of us. 
Do not let your emotions take control of you. Are you hearing me? <laughs> I'm glad a woman said that, not a guy. <laughs> and, but there is a, a really important lesson here, and I would just say to all of us, remember your flesh is something we die to, not something we give ourselves to. Anytime you get angry, put away that flesh and get a grip. Or you can embarrass your, yourself just like Martha did. What's staggering here is Jesus actually replies. Jesus, in the midst of being put in this awkward position, he actually responds. And I want you to see this response because it is insightful. It is life-changing. Hear this response in verse 41. <clears throat> but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are so, you are anxious and troubled about so many things. I'll bet you he was so gentle, so sweet in his tone. And he says this, but one thing is One thing is, let me try that again. But Jesus comes and says to her, but one thing is, one thing is, 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 are you hearing this, friends? Hear what Jesus says. In the midst of all of this, Jesus says one thing, one thing. There is one thing. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it for the sake of yourself. There's one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. That's what? Necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. Are you hearing it? There's one thing necessary. It is necessary. Do you understand the words that Jesus is saying? It is necessary that we sit at the feet of Jesus. It's necessary. We need it. You can't live without it. If you try and live without it, you will kill what is. Oh, dear friends, hear the sweetness of these words. There's one thing. Say it again. There's one thing. There's one thing. One thing. Tell yourself. Sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ is, is, tell yourself it. Oh, the longer you live, young people, the more you realize this is necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. This book will keep you from sin. And listen, sin will keep you from this book. This is necessary. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Jesus reveals right here 
The reality that's sitting at the feet of Jesus, it's not an option. It's necessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. There's nothing more important than that we sit our busy bodies down. We put aside everything else and we sit at the feet of Jesus. Are we hearing it? There is no way that Jesus is going to take her away. Listen, he says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away. Oh, my dear friends, this is the most profound message, the most profound nugget. Luke is revealing right here, why don't we spend time with God why don't we sit at his feet and listen to his word? The reason is, is because we don't see it as. We look at human eyes, at our lives. We don't look with divine eyes. You go about your day, you, you get up and you get dressed and it's necessary in your mind that you get dressed and look dolled up, right? And guys, it's good that you do that. We don't need those funky things. You know, some boys, they never like grow up and do their hair. My boys, I'm like, son, deodorant is from God. You know what I mean? I mean, in my mind, that is what? Necessary. And for some of you girls, we love makeup. Because in your mind, it's necessary. You see, just like Mary and Martha, those are really, really good things, really good things. But there's only one thing that's what? You see, you run and spend the majority of your lives going hard in sports, going hard in, 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 in academics, Thinking that somehow that that's going to be, your success is determined right there. And those are really good. But they aren't what? Even sleep. Sleep is important. It's really important. But there is only one thing that is necessary. And the challenge is, my dear friends, as we go around and we do all these things that we deem in our mind is necessary, and we really fail to do the one thing necessary. And, and Jesus is coming here and saying, guys, listen, I want you to know in the midst of all of these great things that you're going to do in your life and you're going to dedicate yourself, there is only one thing that is necessary. There's one thing, and I want to tell you as an older man in life, and I even hate saying I'm an older man but as an older guy in life but I was invited to a youth conference but uh, two youth conferences I'm doing another one in June that's kind of cool but I want you to know this and I say this with all of my heart with all of my soul there is one thing that is necessary and if you can get that in your mind this will save you from so much heartache and it will make your life successful the very first thing i learned in my christian life you see as a young person i wanted to live for the lord but i didn't spend time with god until i was 12 
But I remember before that wanting to live for the Lord, but I, I never spent time with God. First thing that the Lord revealed to me is it's necessary. Your success in life is never determined by what you do, but who you are. And in this life, when, when we are on this path and we're always being drawn here and, and drawn here, this is what keeps our boat moving down God's way and will. Let me be open with you. I remember being a senior in high school, having a girlfriend. Again, remember, I didn't have parents that were really guiding me in these things, and I, I had a girlfriend. And I remember that girlfriend saying, Shannon, kiss me. Every day I was in God's word. And I remember just kissing her and going back before God's word and going, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I would go back and then I'd go to her. And I, I even knew it wasn't a relationship that I really wanted to be in because the spirit of God was just moving in my heart and but I kind of got caught in it. And I'd go back and I'd say, look, I don't even enjoy this because I want to serve the Lord. And her response was, kiss me. And I'd go back before God's word. And I said, I have to break this thing off because I know in whom I serve. Where would I be? If I didn't see this as necessary. Oh, young people. I love it. You cannot be successful in your Christian life. Listen to me, young people and old people. You cannot be successful in your relationship and your Christian life, listen, without daily Daily, daily. Are you hearing me? Make no compromise. You say, well, that sounds really legalistic. Listen, you'd rather be legalistic and abiding in God than liberal and not abiding in him. A discipline is something we do because we know we need to do it. Your motivation is what you have to maintain steadfastly in God. But listen, it's the right thing to do, and so you then do it. Daily in God's word, with no compromise. You cannot live this Christian life in your own strength. You've got too many things pulling you here, pulling you there. And let me even say this, you must turn off these other things. And God, when you love God, you will turn off these other things. Listen, if you think you can listen to, to, to poison and listen to the sweetness of God's word, you're wrong. You're going to have to choose which one you want. Because listen, water that's been put with sewer doesn't taste good, Right? You have to turn off the things of the world. Listen, there's apps that you just don't go on. 
There's people you just don't hang with. Why? Because you want God and God is your master. And daily appetite, abide in me and you will bear what? Much fruit. Apart from me, you will what? You will do, do, do nothing. Is God necessary? Yes. The reason why we don't spend time with God isn't that we don't get around to it. Listen to me, dear friends. The reason why we don't spend time with God is because we don't see it as necessary. But remember this, young people. There's only one thing necessary. There's a second reason revealed from the text as to why we don't prioritize God as a word, and I think it's revealed by the context. When you're doing Bible interpretation, the issue is always context, and, and as a Bible student, you want to always know that context is king, and, and when you look at this story, you realize it's plopped in here. In, in Luke chapter 10, verses, verse 17, the disciples are giving a report They're just talking about all that they did on their missionary journey. And what happens is a lawyer comes, an expert in the Mosaic law stands up and and begins to try and interrupt. He interrupts them and he asks a question. He asks the question is, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, well, what does the law say? Look at verse 27 at Jesus' response. I think it's profound. Look at verse 27. This is his answer. What do you need to do? He says, verse 27, he answered, you shall what? Everybody with me. You shall what? Love what? The Lord your, with all your, with all your, with all your, and with all your, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now look at verse 29. It says, he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my pause? Jesus gave two responses, two commands. First command was what? Love God with all your soul and Second commandment was love your. And the lawyer comes and jumps over this command and jumps right to love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus answers. And then the story ends in verse 37. And he said, this one who showed him mercy, Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is your neighbor. And then you have this story, Mary and Martha. Then in 11.1, it goes on with Jesus was praying in a certain place. Why is this put in here? Can I suggest to you, young people, this is put in here to answer the first issue. What does it mean to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your 
might. Can I suggest to you there's a second reason why we don't spend time with God? It's because we don't love Him like we should. We let all the other situations in our lives take priority over Christ. And I just want to say to you, to love God is to sit at his feet and listen to his his word. It's to learn to abide in him, to depend on him, to rest in him. We've spoken about a lot of different things in this day, but to be successful in following the king and making him known and and honoring him as master in our lives and to follow on his path, it demands that we do the one thing that is what? And what is that? It's sitting what? And what? Listening to his word. And let me just say at this point, Nothing is better than you reading from God's word yourself. Don't just read books about the Bible, but read the Bible. Interact with God. Start in the New Testament. And just learn that every day you sit at the feet of Jesus. Every time church doors are open and someone is teaching God's word, be there. Because it's necessary. Amen? Amen. Young people, I pray that you'll remember there was one thing necessary and that you would devote your lives to it. There is a king, and his way is the best. (laughs) His way is the best. But you know what? You can't follow that way unless you first deal with your sin problem. When you deal with the sin problem, then the Lord will enable you by his spirit to follow his way. But there's one thing that's critical, and that is that you sit at his feet and listen to his word. Amen? Let me pray with you. Father, I just want to pray for these young people. I want to pray, Lord, that you would, in your kindness and grace, that you will have made sure that they know you. Lord, if they don't know you, I pray they would go back to their youth pastor and just tell their youth pastor, I need you, I need you, please help me. And I pray, too, that there would be a recommitment here to sit at your feet each day, that friends would love each other by exhorting each other and and challenging each other to read your word daily and that they would never, ever forget that it's necessary to sit at your feet. Father, will you cause some of your children here 
to live dependent lives starting today where they don't go to bed without sitting at your feet because they need you? Will you do that work in this group? We ask this for the praise, glory, and honor of your name, we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you guys.